It's Thursday, July 19th, 2018, and you're listening to episode 491 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is 52 minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. This is Wayne. And my name's Chad. All right, so first up, I'm still playing a Waymick. This is never going to be old news. I just want to put that out. Never, 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 never going to be old news. Somebody kill his character. No. Somebody kill him. (laughs) (laughs) There's no stopping it. You can't stop my Waymick. He even got out his $10,000 mammoth die. That's right. Yeah, so 10,000 to 25,000 year old, not dollar. Mm. Yeah. I don't remember its exact age. They told me, but I don't remember its exact age. Do you remember its exact price? I do, and it was nowhere near ten thousand dollars. Nine thousand. Yeah, nine thousand. Yeah. Maybe You're not opulent. Ninety nine hundred. Right. I mean, there's there's gotta be at least that round down. Yeah. So it doesn't feel yeah. like five figures. Yeah. I mean, in this mansion, that's couch change. Right, yeah, right. Precisely. You just have to search enough couches. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then a mammoth will fall out. Yeah. And then <laughs> kill it and then turn and it into dice. Tusk. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And huge, gigantic mammoth tusks paired down to a single dot. So there there was this gathering of scientists, real story, where they had pulled up a mammoth from the permafrost. And for SNG, they got some, like, world-famous chef to come in, and he cut out the meat, and they cooked up the steaks. And they served. They actually, I'll link the news story in the show notes. If I, well, if I can find it again. And, and it doesn't happen to be the onion or something and you just yeah, forgot. Yeah, and it's not like some kind of, I know, I'm 90% sure yeah, this is I, real. I read the same thing. But yeah, some it, it wasn't published on April 1st. Right. Yeah. And, but they actually served up and ate these mammoth steaks. It's like, I just don't know that I could feel right about eating. Not because it's like a conservation thing, because it's dead. It's dead. Yeah. They're extinct. Yeah. You're not making them more extinct. And we have plenty of material if we ever want to go Jurassic Park on them. Yeah, so. precisely. No, it's how old the meat is. Yes, <laughs> that's exactly it. And even, I don't care if it's been frozen. Look, you bullshit out of your deep freeze. <laughs> and you don't eat anything that's like five years old, much less, you know, 25,000 years old. You don't do that. And on top of oh, that... Oh, they did. And on top of that, it's like, what if the microbes in this thing are like some disease that itself went extinct. But and they'll we, get a lot of likes. And we <laughs> a lot of likes. Yeah, mad mammoth disease. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You, what if? But what if all that's true and you get superpowers? You ever think of that? I did not. Well, Superpower yeah. of explosive puke <laughs> uh, uh, that can eat through a bank vault. Or I could go into a chrysalis and come out as a whammy. Or a mammoth. Yeah, one or the other. Yeah. So, all right. So, topic for today, we're going to talk about something that I have been on both sides of, and I'm currently on the giving side of, Mm -hmm. but I've been on both sides of this, and that is when you unintentionally... Yes. Very, and this is very important. Unintentionally. Yes, unintentionally. As a game master. Scare your players out of doing something or going someplace that you actually want them to they go. They need them to go. Uh, want need. Okay. But it would, it would certainly be helpful. Yes. Maybe necessary. If they were to do this, you want them to, it would add something to your story. The example that I've got going right now is in Skies of Glass. I wanted to set up a sense that Chicago is a particular kind of place. There's a particular danger to it. 
but also that there's a lot of important things that are hidden amongst that danger. It's this untamed waste of a city. And because of the fact that it's so untamed, there's a lot of great stuff that's just not getting utilized by the locals because they're more interested in doing terrible things to each other. And in the process, I scared the party out of their willingness to go to Chicago. <laughs> yeah, these characters have no reason to go to Chicago. Yeah. It doesn't matter what cool things are there and what they could get. Chicago's too dangerous. Yeah, you really sold us on the idea. If we go there, we'll get shot and eaten. By rad bears. By rad bears. (laughs) So why did you do that? Why did you scare us? Obviously, you did not intend to scare players. But what I thought happened is I think that you oversold the danger. Exactly. What I was trying to accomplish was world building. Mm -hmm. And the world building occurred in two levels. One is I wanted to convey a sense of danger. Now, not a sense of danger that would stop you from going there. But I wanted to be like, okay. It's like making the run through the asteroid belt or whatever. There are some risks that are inherent to doing this. Mm -hmm. And that's just part of the world. This is how we exist. You know, you can think back to like the Middle Ages where many of the fairy tales were designed to scare kids out of wandering off into the woods. Mm -hmm. Because there was a pretty good likelihood that if that happened for a variety of reasons, they may not come back. And so that's why they... One of the reasons, not the only, but it's a reason why so many of those stories contain such dangers in those woods. Now, in this case, I wasn't trying to keep you out of the woods. Right. But it, it's part of our basic understanding of the world that there are safe and familiar places. And then there are the, the places that are the dangerous unknown, the places that aren't yet tamed, where you get that sense of adventure and that sense of a threat, but it's a threat that you want to overcome. You know, this is what you want to go out, and this is where you want to plant your flag. That second part is the part that's missing, the that they want to overcome. And I mm-hmm. think Chad's done this in the uh, the current D&D game as well, but I don't think he did it. Mm. So looking at the situation he's got, there's this big goblin warren with all these really cool things in it, and we go in, and he sets up... Here's all of this interesting thing where all the plot is, and all you have to do is go get it. And the party's like, no, that's too dangerous. <laughs> the next room over, there's three goblins. That's too dangerous. We can't go in there. Right. But I don't think it's anything you did in that situation. I think that's a group of characters that are... Risk-averse, maybe? Risk-averse. Well, I was going to say... How many? Common people? sense, like regular human right. beings and yeah. not adventurers. Yeah, like D&D, you play fledgling heroes that turn into superheroes that turn into gods. Yes. And they're playing it as... We are real people, and they have rusty pikes and are going to eat us. It's like, well, okay, yeah, the goblins do that, but no, you're you. They're there for you to smash. It's that's their purpose. Yes, I try to smash, and everyone's like, no, 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 no. We got to sneak around. <laughs> mm-hmm. We have to get two or three of them out of the room first before we go in and deal with these. Yeah, I actually just got something similar to this. And a comment from Brandon, one of the players in the Skies of Glass game, because he shot me an email saying, hey, you know, I really want to try to do more with the medical side of my character in this game. Mm-hmm. And I re- really like how that's flushing out and excuse the pun, <laughs> so on and so forth. And so I said, well, what exactly do you mean by that? And in his answer, he kind of started backing off from it because he's like, well, I guess I don't quite want to use it because that means that 
the party's getting shot at in Skies of right. Glass. That's a really deadly thing. And yeah. so it's kind of like, well, maybe I only want to use it in certain ways. And so I, I kind of scared him out of his own request. <laughs> Not fully, but right. partially so. And and I guess that's my second aspect of this is it's not just building a sense of danger, but it's world building in general. Mm-hmm. You want to describe a place, and it just so happens that that place includes danger, and that's just variety. That's just the variety in in the places that you exist. And some places are going to look less appealing or less inviting than others. I think what you are creating, especially if you don't understand what motivates the players and or characters is you are creating a disincentive to do certain things or to go certain places. Well, and I think one thing in the D&D game that might add to this is every other character at the table has either been almost killed or knocked down, Mm -hmm. at least. My character hasn't been touched. Right. I'm a wizard. I stand in the other room flinging things. Mm -hmm. Occasionally throwing spells. It's the other two... Dawn's character is a half-orc paladin, a protection paladin, right? I mean, she's yeah. she's a tank, and she's there, and she's been knocked down because she's in the front line. Yeah. And, in fact, the last battle we did, she's like, oh, man, I got knocked down, and I lost the hit points, and I'll fail. I'm like, no, you don't understand. You were wildly successful. No one else took a point of damage yeah. because yeah. of what you were doing. In the very first fight, the ranger went down. Yeah. And I think... Uh, I think our sorcerer almost went down, too. Yeah, that's because our ranger, I won't say that she's in the front line, but she jumps in the midst of battle. She's, she, when battle starts, she's very active, a- action-oriented, and very active. And that kind of tends to make you a target. Instead of, like, staying yeah. back, so you can wait for an opportunity, thunk, and doing something or setting up place. And our sorceress is very lively. She doesn't just throw stuff in back. She charges forward and forgets that she is a spell slinger. Right. And so she is like up there and she's gotten herself smacked around a little bit. But what happened on Sunday that because I've been seeing this, I, I saw this in the, in the skies of glass game with the Chicago thing. Yeah. And I've seen it bubbling yeah. in my uh, D&D game on Sunday. And I tried to help you with it you as did. much as I could. You did. Picture this. Right. I'm not going to get into a gaming story, but just just picture this setup. They have a mission where they have to go interact with these goblins, basically paying them a bribe. So. Nobody has to fight them, right? Goblins leave people alone. Everybody's happy. Whatever. You pay them chump change, and that's fine. Stuff happens. They have to do a thing, and they go do the thing, and they find out that this cave of some goblins is actually a large warren of goblins. That Nobody knew that there were this many, and that this is like a really dangerous thing, and, mm-hmm. and nobody understood the situation, but now they do. And the so the cave became bigger and it wasn't just a bigger warn it was like part of some sort of complex some ancient ruins right and there was a mine network and there were these sort of buildings in this mountain and so so it became bigger and they investigated it a little bit but they were more worried about well we have to achieve the mission and we have to gtfo man because there's all these goblins are all going to kill us right and so they they do that, and I was able to like throw a little bit of the plot in there, and then they leave, and stuff happens, and then there's this other mysterious thing, and let's go the the mansion with the undead guy. It's like let's go investigate the mysterious thing. It took two thirds of the night to get these guys convinced that they can go to this damn place <laughs> and talk to the undead guy and not ter- be turned into zombies. <laughs> 
<laughs> and it's just like, oh my god, guys, I'm not going to kill you. We have this whole months of gaming to do. I'm not going to kill you. And then, so they, they did that. That was like pulling teeth. And even then, they're in there, and many of the characters, except Wayne, who's very helpful, and he's great because he's run games before, and this is why everyone needs to run a game, even if they're not into it. Wayne is like asking questions and interacting and saying, Hey, I want to spend the night with the undead guy. Cause he has this mansion and he's really cool. He's not trying to kill us. I can learn all this stuff. And everyone's like, no, we got to go. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, and they finally like Wayne broke them down one by one, except the paladin and the paladin was just outvoted and grumpy the entire time. It was great. And then, you know, stuff happens, stuff happens, stuff happens, and then they have to go back to the Warren now, which was thought to be a cave, which is now a Warren. And then they're going in there, and then it's revealed it's not just ruins and a mountain. It's a city. And I don't mean a cavern with a bunch of buildings in it. I mean it's a metropolis. It's almost as big as their capital. It is huge and gigantic in a palace and they they find this door and this door is overlooking this grand spectacle i'm describing all this stuff i've been sitting on this for weeks if not a couple of months now i finally get to describe all this crap and it's like hey wayne gets it this is where the fucking plot is (laughs) and it's just like they're on this overhang and they have this beautiful view of it and it looks out all over it and it's like okay yeah there's some goblins down there there's some goblins down there. In fact, uh, they, they have to do this thing with goblin factions. They're trying to screw things up. And there's one of the factions. It's one of your missions to go down there. And they're like, oh, no, we can't go down there. It's too dangerous. And I'm like, oh, shit. did I mess this up? Did I did I describe this gigantic city and give the impression that it is teeming with goblins? Like there's mm-hmm. 40 million goblins in yep. Goblin New York City in this mountain. And right initially now. it did something yeah, like that. And, and you... You pulled that back. Yeah, and I pulled back, and I'm like, oh, shit, I did that. And so I'm like, oh, well, there, there's whole sections of the city that aren't lit, you know, because they had campfires and stuff. The goblins yeah. did. So I, I was able to kind of give that bit of information. And they're like, yeah, yeah, we, we got to go. We got to go. We're going to And I'm like, and there's, and I'm like looking at Wayne almost. Yeah. I'm like, there's, you can tell there's libraries down there. <laughs> there's, there's temples and knowledge. <laughs> it's really safe. <laughs> and it's like, and then they're like, oh, anything could be in there. And I'm like, okay, what, what's a stalactite? The one that goes down from the stalactite. I'm like, there's one where a giant stalactite broke off the ceiling and smashed part of the, the city. And so nothing can be there. It's safe because they're, they'd all be dead if anything was in there. No, 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 we can't go in there. And I'm like, there's a palace. There's a big empty palace. Just go for the love of God. Go in there. And they're like, nope. Nope. We're the, the room we did two weeks ago where we got into the fight with the thing. Yeah, we're going back there because we know it. Because <laughs> we know it. It's like, oh, guys. What level are they? Two. Two. I All mean, right. I'll give them that they yeah. got to be a little cautious, but. Yeah, even in that room that we knew, though. Mm hmm. Looking through the keyhole, oh, there's four goblins in there. We can't go in. Yeah, yeah. Four. Okay, 
challenge rating on Goblin, it's either one fourth or one third. I would say unless you're splat booking this, right? Four goblins for a group of what half a dozen level two characters. Yeah, yeah. that's you, a non-fight. That's like a right. one-round yeah. fight. You right. scared them with the wargs. With the wargs, I, that was my fault because I introduced the concept of goblin wolf riders. Yeah, because actually they picked up an NPC who's a goblin thief because that's a huge gaping hole in their party. They don't have anything that can do traps or locks or sneaking or anything like that. Sure. He is such a cool NPC. Thank you. His name's Zit, but it's they say Zit, but it's just the sound. It's his name's actually like, zzz, like that, but they just call him Zit. So, but have you tried using him to explain like? Yes, I think we. Uh, oh, oh, I would. Well, this city's you know real sparsely populated. We can get through here. As long as we s- stick to the sides and... I had to bend credulity and force them on the railroad to get them to the plot. I had to trick them into going to the city. Because their whole thing, they had, to, they had to find a faction to do a thing. Again, I'm not going to bore people with it. But I was had... internally laughing when I realized that's what you did. Oh, when I was we... so embarrassed. When Zit finally said, oh yeah, he lives in the city. I, re- I knew yeah. exactly what you were doing. Yeah. So they had to find these factions, and they had dealt with the faction in the room that they had just been yep. in, right? That was one faction. So they they had one step of their mission down. And it's just like, I, I have got to get these guys in the city. I mean, this is where not just some info and some world building. I mean, the plot yeah. starts there. And, you know, people would say, well, can't you just shift things around and, yeah. you know, play a cup game with it? I did <laughs> to, to get this right and so like they're they're like well there's a fan there's a king of the god one of these slug fat goblins I, i'm borrowing a lot from john's uh blood boom goblins concepts and uh so there's this slug fat goblin king and and he has a faction that's like around him and so they're going to do the thing with that faction and i said i just been very vague i'm very I, i'm very vague about directions and stuff mm-hmm. in, in a dungeon because i don't do dungeon maps and it, it just i i get feel and you know, it's near and far. It's not 32 steps. Right. Right. And I and so the that faction was up. It was up above you in the upper parts of the complex. And they were like, well, yeah, I mean, they're afraid, right? They're afraid. They, they are afraid to sneak through the complex past the goblin. They, they're figuring that they're going to get wiped out. And so they're going to their goblin thief that they made friends with, Zit. And they're like, OK, can you lead us to this faction? And I'm like. Finally, I got them. <laughs> and so I changed where that goblin king was, the slug king and his faction, to the palace in the damn city. And then I had Zit lead them through secret, totally safe passageways <laughs> with no encounters with anybody. Right. Even to the point of taking them outside of the mountain and walking along a trail where I'm like, oh, just roll me a d20, Dex. I uh, just want, you know, don't roll low. Somebody rolls a one. I'm like, oh. and they <laughs> boom, 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 and they slide down the mountain. They had to get rope and get them back up. But, and I had to take them in the back way. It, the mountain is actually a volcano, unbeknownst to anyone. And there's, Spoilers, why? Uh, no, oh, no, they, we found that they, out. They, okay, they found, found that, that out. out. All right. And then I, like, basically backdoored them into the city. Instead of going into the city and learning all this stuff and then going up to the palace where the thing is, I had them go into the back of the palace, unbeknownst that they were being led there. They did not even know that they were be that that's where they were until they were there. Because I figured they would run. 
if they found out. So we oh, talk about so frustrating. Well, and one aspect to add to this: earlier in the session, before mm-hmm. all of this happened, multiple people said, "I'm ready to just kill some goblins." Yeah, that was the whole thing. <laughs> They sat down and were like, hey, how's everyone doing? Everyone have a good week? And multiple people said, man, I just want to roll some dice and just, I just want to kill some guy. I had a rough week and I want to take it out on some goblins. And I'm like, have I got the game for you? <laughs> Apparently I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get you that background. Mm. I, I'm sure they have a both phone and computer size right. from house of Hugh Laurie standing there looking disapproving. It has all these like different phrases around it in the middle and giant bold letters. It just says everybody lies. Everybody lies. Yep. Because <laughs> I think that's what you ran into. Mm-hmm. So in the case of my game, yeah. there is nothing in Chicago I need you guys to do. Right. I think it would be cool for you guys to go there. I have a lot of neat ideas for what's there. There's a lot you would learn about the backstory that ties both of the campaigns together and stitches up all of the backstory that's going on. There's more clues you would get for that. And I would in this case I think is a case of the players want to go to Chicago. Yeah. We can't reasonably come up with a reason our characters would. Right. And I'll come back to that because that's something we're working on and I'll talk about how we're addressing that. But I don't need it to occur. Now Chad, in the case of mm-hmm. your game, I would think if we dissected it enough, we'd probably come to the same conclusion. That there is nothing that absolutely has to occur that cannot be moved somewhere else. But I think it is completely fair for the game master at some point to say, all right, as part of this collaborative storytelling, Mm -hmm. there's something I want out of this as well. Yeah, There's something, and it could be the type of game I run, it could be the type of NPCs we encounter, it could be the type of themes we explore... But I think while it is unfair for a GM to railroad Absolutely. or to GMPC or to do crap like that, I think it is completely fair for the game master to want something out of their game mm-hmm. and to, I mean, not, not railroad, but to desire the players yeah. to go there instead of me having to transplant it elsewhere and do shell mm-hmm. game or three card monte yeah. or whatever you want to call it to get it somewhere else. And so I, I don't think that's unreasonable. You know, and it's same thing with Chicago. I don't mm-hmm. need the party to go there. If you guys never set foot in the Chicago area, that campaign will still go on to its final conclusion right. without missing a beat. And that's totally fine. But once again, there's something I'd like to yeah. deal with in there. I have advice for both of you in both of these situations. I may already be following you. I'm curious what you've got. Okay. I've already thought I, this through. I've so. got an idea for my own thing. But All yeah. Right. So, Chad, for your situation, mm-hmm. this group needs to be captured. Hmm. They need to know that losing a fight mm-hmm. doesn't mean that the game is over. Right. Because I think that's a fear. Mm-hmm. They need to also realize, because there's this whole fear of, I'm out of spells. Yeah. Cantrips yeah. in this version of D&D are, are attacks. They're good. You yeah. can still do them. Fifth edition cantrips. Because one of our players, we had this big fight, and both magic users drained all their spell list, and all they have are cantrips. And Wayne, again, God bless him, Wayne is like, I'm doing this crazy thing, I'm doing this crazy thing, I'm doing this crazy thing yeah. with the cantrips, and our uh, and our sorceress was like, I don't have any spells. I've got nothing. And we're no. like, you have yeah. cantrip. What cantrips do you have? Well, I have mage hand. 
what am I going to do with Mage Hand? Oh my God, yeah. what can't you do with Mage Ray Hand? Ray of Frost. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Ray of Frost. I can't do anything. Right. Yeah. So that's my advice in your case is mm. this group needs to know that defeat doesn't mean the end of the game. And the group needs to know that out of spells doesn't mean useless. Yeah. Yeah, because it, no, it is I true. I think back in old D&D. In old D&D, yeah. yeah. When you ran out of spells, when you ran out of supplies, you were SOL. If you yep. were a mage, you threw that one or two magic missiles, mm-hmm. and all you had left was a staff or sling you couldn't hit mm-hmm. with anyway. And right? there's old D&D baggage here. And that's, This is 5th yeah. edition. That's yeah. not the case And 5th edition where you have more or less endless cantrips. And, I mean, mm-hmm. it's, and some of those cantrips are damn good spells. Yeah. Dan, in your case... I want to say the same thing in some ways of the group needs to know that rolling in somewhere doesn't necessarily mean death, that the group needs to be captured. The problem is the first campaign of this mm-hmm. had that happen. And I hate to see that repeated. Well, that's why I'm going a different route. Because what I did was I observed. All right. Mm-hmm. So I sat back and I listened to why the players, in character and out of character, were expressing reticence about going to Chicago. And it was because I described that there were ist gangs there that are not well understood. Some of their power levels may be overstated by the locals. Some of them may not be. Some of them may be Mm -hmm. understated. But I set up that there was a level of threat there. And you guys started reacting to that threat, particularly because in this group, you guys are not at all prepared for conflict, for right. violent conflict. Mm-hmm. I think you're going the route I was going to suggest for us. Which is, I, I'm empowering you. That's right. exactly so, it. This is a group that needs to feel empowered, that it's got its equipment ready to mm-hmm. go, that it's and, raring and ready. And that's why I'm not just going to hand it to you, but if you guys keep investing in it, we're going to go whole hog. I mean, you've got mm-hmm. that truck, you've already got the machine gun racked on it, you're headed towards getting the armor, and then it's probably one more trip to Amboy or something similar, and you'll have the engine upgrades. And you guys are going to be rolling in there mm-hmm. pretty well set. And, yeah. I mean, it's not to say you automatically are going to win everything yeah, you it's touch. not like a Mad Max war wagon, because yeah. that's not what the world is right. like. But, but the point have is advantage. that, yeah, you guys are not going to just be lambs to the slaughter right. going in there. Because with... my character literally, literally has a six-gun with five bullets. Yeah, well, <laughs> and one or two of the characters think have even less than that. Yeah, yeah. I don't have a gun. Mm-hmm. This is a group that needs... You've got to... finger guns, and that's <laughs> always something. Yeah, this group needs to be able to uh, roll in and say, okay, let's show these primitive screwballs right. what's what. And then once they get there, they realize they're totally outmatched. But they need to go in thinking that they, <laughs> so they've got it. So my advice to myself uh-huh. for my game, what I was thinking is actually more along the lines of the advice you got. Not so much that they need to be empowered. They're already powered. They're, they're playing D&D. They're as powerful as you can get at that level. I'd maybe bump them up to third level. Well, the but... third level's coming. We're doing milestone reward, so they have to hit like plot points. Sure. It'd just be a little too early now, but they're they're there. What I think my characters need is a victory. Like a solid, hardcore victory yeah. where they just wipe the floor and don't take any losses and come out smelling like roses after a massive battle. I'm thinking about setting up a fall guy. <laughs> and I'm just going to let them kick him in the nuts. Yeah, and I was thinking something where it looks 
Oh yeah, it looks bad. Oh and yeah, then it's just going to yeah. destroy Some, you, guys. like mountainous <laughs> yeah. stone thing. Mm-hmm. And then we terrible to hit. Yes. Yeah. Oh, and his armor just sucks. Yeah, but it has all these like really dramatic. Like he does landslide where all the stones pour out of him and cover yeah. the characters. For one d four. Yeah, everyone make a dex check <laughs> right. at, a, at a DC of ten. Oh, for one d four. Knowing Chad's guys. luck, knowing Chad's luck, we'd all oh. roll ones. Oh. One person actually has negative decks. You just so. need Brodor there to clean your dice right. and spit them out okay. one by oh, one. That, well, that's why our spellcasters drained all their spells. They missed with 75% of them. Yeah. And then, or they would like, they, oh, yeah. That's why sense. Magic Missile is something both yes. have, because Magic Missile doesn't miss. Yeah, yep. it doesn't miss. But yeah, that I think that's my advice to me. I do like the capture them. Yeah. A good victory would help bolster. Capturing would show that failure doesn't mean yeah at the end. Capture so, is hard. In capture D&D, is really though. hard to do. I also did think about, and and I may yet do this. Somebody who can demystify Chicago a bit. Yeah, I think that would. There's well, any number of opportunities where an NPC who knows more about Chicago or is even from Chicago could wander into Dixon where you guys are. Well, it's interesting talking about the two different groups because I see a dichotomy there. The Skies of Glass group, they're not necessarily afraid. They just don't want to save the world. Whereas the D&D group absolutely wants to save the world. It's just they're too scared to. <laughs> well, you need to flip that. That, that is, is a different concern for a different subject. Right. But you are correct that I do also have the issue in the Skies of Glass game that even if I was able to sell you guys on, okay, the risk-reward here mm-hmm. is a good ratio it would still be the issue of why take any risk at all or why take even a modest risk because your characters aren't motivated. Yeah. Our characters by... do have motivations. They're just internalized motivations. Yeah. Well, I think the other thing in this case, these characters are comfortable. We yeah. don't really... like the we don't have, of glass ones? The yeah. of glass ones. We don't have a lot of ammo or anything. But we're, but a safe we're place. actually pretty well off. Mm-hmm. We're in a safe place. We're provided for. We've yeah. got resources. Why take the risk if right. you're not yeah. struggling? Is Little House on the Prairie and a good harvest here? And yeah. actually, what I think for the what I what I would recommend for the Skies of Glass game that I'm that I am also in, I would say what they need is is not necessarily empowerment because one of the things we requested was we wanted to be gritty and dirty and we wanted to yeah. start behind the eight ball. My suggestion would be take our safety away. Our characters aren't concerned about safety. We just don't have a motivation. We don't have a motivation because we're soft and fat. Yeah, well, and there is already something in the works for that. Mm-hmm. There's something that I have written as a plot line, and it's if, if you've been paying attention, it's actually already in the setting description that I've given of a problem that is unfolding right, right around you guys. In your games... Yeah, no. believe it or not. <laughs> and it's been in the this is not one I have to add. Mm. It's just one I have to activate. Right. Because it's been sitting there simmering for some time now. And if I remember what your guys' chosen course of action was for this coming game, I think you were going after the train room. Yes, the yeah. The wreck train. So if you guys opt to go after that, this will give me a good opportunity to activate that mm-hmm. particular plot point. I don't know if I will, but I'm just saying it's it's going to give me a good chance to do it. Yeah. And force us to survive. I mean, I think th- this group, this the Skies of Glass group, it we're we are untempered steel. We need to have fire put to us 
so that we can be tested. Not not so that we can prove ourselves to ourselves, not to get that confidence, but basically a fire needs to be lit under our ass. You know what's funny? Dan, you said you need to get him the background of Everyone Lies. We need to get that for you because we came in saying we want these characters to be going from city to city. We don't right. want them to be settled down. What well, have we done? We settled we down settled in down. a town. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that and that's what I've had my character try and do. My character every time I don't know if you guys know this. Every time we're in town, he causes a lot of problems, and he fucking hates the town. <laughs> and he is. I am trying to get this town to hate him and run him out of town. That's not his plan. It's my plan. <laughs> Except you're not pulling it off because you've been I'm too successful. Well, you've ingratiated yourself to <laughs> someone who is not himself politically powerful, but is socially connected. He's to... an old man. He can have a heart attack. Well, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. But the point is, if he has a heart attack, how are they going to remember you? Oh, you're dad's best friend. Yeah, yeah. But I was dad's best friend who is the biggest in town yeah you know that can fade quick okay fair enough and then the <laughs> Dad's other people... best friend who got him a hooker and he died with the hooker that's right <laughs> the other people you keep fading into are the town hooligans right who they like even less than you guys that's true substantially less than you guys no the one who's about to get you run out of the town on the rails is dr poe <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> you know captain malpractice yeah they yeah. keep him around for one reason because brandon was kind of nudging at you know why more of the townies don't trust him as a doctor i'm like because you're a psychopath right they go to you out of desperation when they want someone they can trust they go to the town's actual doctor dr fisher who has much lower tech and much mm-hmm. lower i mean he's basically a, a he stitches you up and yeah. tells you to clean the wound and that's about it and it, might also he, be the barber right and what he is is consistent if you're going to survive. You just need to be patched up a little bit. He's yeah. the guy to go to. He's, he can set a bone. He can give you poultices. If he you're going to die yeah. and you're ready to roll that dice of, I can take this pill. This pill is either going to save my life or kill me, yeah. but I'm going to die. It, he is the other choice way. of desperation. Mm-hmm. I have polio. Yeah. Dr. Fisher can't cure that. Right. Dr. Poe. Dr. Poe can. Is either going to give me fatal diarrhea or <laughs> cure my polio. Possibly both. More maybe both. <laughs> but if you don't go to Dr. Poe, you're dead. And then some people are like, I might, I might, I might take my chances. Yeah. I'll just not go to Dr. Poe. I'll take my chances with that. Exactly. At least I'll die with clean pants. Right. <laughs> yeah. We need to get run out of this town. <laughs> I might, I might ratchet up Gil's jerkiness. Well, I don't know if you'll have to, because mm-hmm. like I said, there, there's things I can set in motion if it doesn't look like you guys are moving around a bit though i'm still curious to see what's going to happen with how the hornets nets got kicked last game when i started having eric's character Mm -hmm. come out with a bunch of revelations that started really kind of unwinding the group i'm honestly kind of hoping we come back from our mission the truck drives up and the walmart's been burnt down Mm -hmm. that everything in it is gone and we just have the truck with scrap metal i'll be down well, and that is something because else. Gil would blame somebody who didn't do it. Okay, he'd go after now, him. and I don't know that this is the best advice, but it's certainly an advice. Is sometimes you can push people towards a fear by creating a greater fear behind them. Yeah. Now, I'm not going to say this is the tool for every occasion because this can be real railroady. Mm-hmm. But 
you're talking about taking your comfort away. Well, what am I really doing? I'm making Stain and Dixon worse than going to Chicago. Yeah. Or wherever it is you end up. You know, I maybe don't go to Chicago, but you well, go somewhere else. In the same way, you want them to go to the castle if suddenly instead of goblins, they've got trolls stalking mm-hmm. them through the city and hurting them towards the castle. Right. Running ahead of those trolls or a lava flow mm-hmm. or a wave of babies or whatever <laughs> it is that's behind them. Giant spiders yeah. coming in the door we had just opened. My, that's my, a little too railroady, though. And my fear would be that if I face them with something like really scary to scare them in the proper direction, they would veer off and run back home to where, because there's a, a military base that right. they're kind of operating out of. They would go to the military base and then they would circle the wagons. And it's just like, guys, it's D&D, you're heroes, let's buckle some squash. Yeah, and well, that's one thing, I'm of the mindset of, they could send that whole battalion and they're going to get wiped away because we're more powerful than all of them. Yeah, okay. But that's not how the other players feel. Now, this is not nearly as encouraged as it once was by the source books, but it is still there. You as a game master do have a key you can tighten Mm -hmm. if you want to put the screws to them. They do have to follow alignment to some degree. Yeah, and they generally are. Yeah. I don't think anyone has veered off that yet. I think that once... See, that's the neat thing about 5th edition. Once they hit 3rd level, though, they have to start making stands about their class and what mm-hmm. they are and what they do. Yeah, The sorceress, not so much, because it's all wild yeah. magic and crazy. Mine but, was at 2nd level, so I've already done that. Yeah. But, like, the ranger, you know, are you an animal companion? Are you a forest defender or something like that? The paladin especially, because you have to take your oath. And it's just like, well, what does your oath stand for? What is your god for? And Dawn, who is the paladin, is actually already starting to talk about that. Because she she follows Torm, justice and war and all that sort of stuff. And and super good. And she's going to take that oath of defense. I, I forget what it is. But she's already talking about how some of the characters... They're not evil, but they kind of bend the rules sort mm-hmm. of thing. They're a little connivy. And she's going to be like, she can't do that. And then the old D&D trick of, well, we're going to do this illegal thing. Hey, Paladin, why don't you step outside for a moment and get us some Cokes? And it's, you can't do that. And she's going to be like, I'm not going to do that. My character is, her character isn't stupid. And her character is very forthright, we'll say, to say the least. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah, and my character on the good-evil alignment is neutral. Right. I think I'm the only one that went the neutral route for him. Yeah, I think everyone else is good. I went, the, I went lawful neutral mm-hmm. with the mindset of he doesn't believe magic is good or evil. And he thinks it's just a tool that you use. So he's open to any kind of See, magic. Okay, and I'm yeah. not saying as a game master I'd do anything too hardcore. But I might ask the metagame question of, all right, Wayne, you're lawful neutral. You know, assuming that law is society's general norms, assuming that law isn't like you're bound to some oath of nature or something, I would go back to, okay, you were given orders by someone that you recognize Mm -hmm. the authority of. Why are you not following them? You know, where's that lawful playing out? And once again, I don't know that. This is another one. This yeah, can get yeah. too railroady. Yeah, it wouldn't have worked in this situation anyway because we don't have that strict of orders. Yeah. yeah. We're, right. It's up to us to figure out how to deal with it. They're nobles and their parents, they're young. Yeah. And their parents are trying to push them into starting to make yep. 
real big boy decisions. Yeah, and our, our order is don't let war happen. Yeah. And I don't think a game master should make a habit out of yeah. telling anyone how to play their character. But I do think you could at least have those honest conversations of saying, well, okay, you did describe your character as this. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem to me like you're playing that. Can we... Re- can we review this a little bit? Can we yeah. think about this a bit? And if the answer is no, I mean, well, it's your character. You can play it however yeah. you want. I don't think the GM should force you to make choices. That's it's a terrible thing. Yeah. But I think the game master can yeah. exert the some group, pressure. The group is generally good. You want to save the world in a broad sort of sense. Sure. Because the world's where our stuff is. The world's where your stuff is. Well, or, I mean, <laughs> along those lines, and I, I mean, could you add something to the Slug King where it's... Mm-hmm. Like, okay, this guy and this guy alone is actually effectively organizing the goblins and seems to be selling the idea that we're going to stop accepting these pittance tributes Mm -hmm. and go take the big stash. We're going to go for the human town. But you know if you get rid of him or you can turn some of his lieutenants against him or scare him or any number of things, you can get him off this path and all of a sudden, he's not going to raise a, a goblin army that's going to come in and destroy or attempt to destroy your guy's hometown. So, you know, it, mm-hmm. maybe you care a little more. I mean, right. maybe I don't know. It's just, another, once again, yeah. another place you can try it, putting some pressure. Yeah. It's extreme analysis paralysis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the end it is. It, analysis paralysis that is fed by fear. Yeah. I like the unknown. Yeah, I like the unknown. I like the mystery. And what I'm doing with this game is... We're starting out small, and the players and the characters think they understand the world, right? And then they see things, and they have the realization that the world is a little bit bigger than them. Yep. And my goal is that they go investigate. Well, why is that? What is that? When they go investigate it, they they understand that the world is a little bit bigger than that. Yep. And I fed you and, a character yeah. that is... That's his primary motivation more than anything else is mm-hmm. knowledge and discovery. Right. He is a character built for this campaign of, I want to know everything that's going on down there. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, there's a couple of characters. There are two characters who are extremely risk averse and they outvote him. And then there's one character who is, it's not that she's risk averse. She's, well, she's palace. She's black and white, you know, and that that's even in her character. And it's part of her character flaw is that she sees the world in black and white and the player herself acknowledges that's not how the world works. That's how my character interacts with it and has a hard time because of it. So sometimes you have to talk to evil. Sometimes you can't hit evil in the face with a big spike club and you have to talk to it. Maybe not sell out to it. Maybe not even make a deal with it. But hitting in the face is not necessarily an option all the time. All right. And that's hard for her character, which is great. It's it, some great role-playing, especially when they had to go to the undead guy's house. <laughs> <laughs> there are good aligned undead. There are absolutely good un- aligned undead. This was not one of them. Okay, fair enough. There mm-hmm. are good aligned. Because mm-hmm. yeah. talking about fear, one of the things that I found is you don't even let them know what kind of danger they're in until right. it happens. There was a Forgotten Realms game I was running. This was... Well, this is like extreme social anxiety, where 
if you don't let them know what kind of danger they're in, they start inventing the danger in their mind, and it just gets yeah, bigger okay. and bigger. Fair enough. <laughs> Maybe this wouldn't help them, but in, in this situation, it was yeah. a three or three five game, Forgotten Realms, and they went down into this long abandoned elven ruin, and while they were down there, they got to this. It was kind of like a throne room. There was like this dais in the middle with like a chair on it. It wasn't exactly a throne room. something like that. And there was this empty suit of armor on it. And as they got closer, I described how it's like the chain mails like reinflating. Like there's like something forming inside of it. And what it was is something that's called a Bailnorn. What a Bailnorn is, is a Bailnorn is a good aligned lich that is left behind to protect burial sites or sacred places or preserve knowledge or but they are they're more or less exactly what a lich is but they are good aligned and this thing i mean they were not more than first second maybe third level this thing is so far beyond their power level and if they had encountered it and understood what it was without fully understanding what a bailnorn was mm-hmm they would have had that right level of fear right. of this this thing's so far out of our league, except for the fact that unless they broke one of its rules, and it didn't have many, it was like, don't defile the coffins. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, he was actually fairly conversant and fairly helpful, but they didn't even know anything was there until they were in that room, and then it's like, there it is. So it's your face first in it. So these guys, it's a little too late to change your mind. These guys come upon a chamber with a single goblin in it, but the goblins dress differently like (laughs) robes or something. And the goblins blind. Holy shit. This guy must be powerful. (laughs) A blind goblin in robes. Oh no. They thought he was like some sort of... There are no weak old people. Know, right? It does and not happen. When you're blind, though, you're more powerful in yeah. other ways. He needed light. Oh, but he needed light. Oh, why did he need light? Is sight this... becomes your dump stats. Yep. I, I, like, I actually oh. am sad I missed that session to, oh. fe- to hear what the reactions were. Oh, <laughs> abject terrors with it. I can't believe I got him to fight him. And the sad, well, here's the sad thing, right? Okay. So all it was, it was a goblin, and I was using like the cult fanatic template, yeah. right? And I was just saying it was a goblin, because so he can throw some spells or whatever. And I, I forget exactly what I used, but it was all level appropriate. They should have been able to kick his ass and all this sort of stuff. But it was whiff, whiff, whiff. One player was like handling the MacGuffin instead of fighting the thing. And so they were down Wayne and then we're down this other player and it was whiff, 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 whiff. And then I cast a spell of cause light wounds and I max the roll out and I almost made the paladin make the death mini game <laughs> in one hit. And they were like, see, see, we were right. <laughs> so I'm like, Oh, a <laughs> blind goblin. Chad, okay. There was a phrase that we... And people say I'm an asshole for fudging dice. This is why I fudge dice. There was a phrase that we used in our gaming group years and years and years before Fear the Boot was a thing. Mm-hmm. And I've used it before, though it's been a while. 
and that's the Richard Pryor game. Right. And right. where I got this from was there was an In Living Color skit called Richard Pryor Scared for No Reason yeah, or something, something like, like that. that, where all it is is Richard Pryor walking around his house. Like, he's trying to make cereal, but he's like... He opens the refrigerator, and the light turns on. He's, he's like, ah! Yeah, and then he pulls yeah. the milk out, and he's, he's terrified of the, the milk. milk. He's yeah. terrified of the cereal, which I, I think they were riffing on both. One, the archetype of character he tended to play in movies, mm. and also probably his crack addict. Yeah. <laughs> right. But, you know, hey, potato, potato. Mm. But you know, the, the, okay. you've got a reverse Richard Pryor game. Where there is no danger. Because what we always called a Richard Pryor game was where the characters... Because of the game master, mm-hmm. not because of the players, right, the right. game master was using fear and power to railroad them, and you spent the entire game running scared mm-hmm. from one enemy or one situation to the next, and you could never beat or succeed at anything. Just run scared, yeah. run scared. And so you played Richard Pryor scared for, well, in these cases, very good reasons, but you were yeah. afraid of everything, and rightly so. Because the milk's going to kill you and the fridge mm. light is going to kill you. But you have a reverse Richard Pryor game here where yeah. your players are terrified. Oh, I have another great example of this. Mm. Chad has an undead come into the bar, walk up to the counter, get a room, sign in for the room, and go upstairs. Ever- and not like a shambling, rotting zombie. It's yeah. like one of these uh, all in armor and you can't see him, but he's obviously undead or something. You know, super creepy. The whole table is all like, what's the deal with him? They want to avoid talking about how horrible he is. I walk over to the bar, buy a drink, walk up to his room, knock on his door. I'm like, what are you doing? If he was here to kill us, he wouldn't have checked in down there, <laughs> got a room, and signed in. He, he obvi- signed his name. Why he's obviously even... here. Yeah. They don't for sleep. Reason. <laughs> exactly. He's obviously here for a reason. And if it was going to be to kill us, he's not going to get a room. Unless right? that room is filled with the dirt of Chris Hussey's homeland. <laughs> he's not going to sleep up there. So, no. yeah. Why is what's he even doing in here in the first place? That was an excellent exactly. question that they did not want answers to, except for Wayne. Instead, <laughs> so they were sitting downstairs they, terrified of oh, the milk. They were getting ready to they burn were, the inn down. They were mortified when yeah. I went and knocked on the door. Yeah. I'm like, we have to go up and save him. <laughs> save him from the conversation <laughs> that he was having with the nice dead gentleman. Wow. <laughs> I, I don't know, Chad, apart from giving these people, <laughs> apart from giving them level three, I don't know what you've done. You just... Right. I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> it's just, I mean, you're basically playing against the Rift's phobia chart. Yeah. And I don't know how you win that. They could have killed this guy. They could have killed him. In fact, I was even planning on them, you know, especially Dawn with her paladin going, all right, enough talk. hi And just like zapping him. But no. And they ended up having a great conversation, and and because he was there to serve a purpose, which was to get them to go to the mansion they didn't want to go to, yeah, literally gave them an invitation. Please come to my mansion at this time. I'll provide food and booze. That was the literal invitation he was handing over. And they had this whole conversation with him, and this really great character came out of it that I had to, I completely ad libbed on the spot. See, that's why you need to play an play. That's Com- right. It's completely antithetical to be afraid of anything. Right. In fact, it, it, it's like you can't. Yeah. It, it's, you just really can't. Don't and, do it. Yeah. In my case, I'm playing a 19 year old wizard. Right. Fear? He hasn't been beaten yet. Yeah. He's sure of himself. Mm hmm. 
He's 19 years old. When you're 19, you can't die. Invincible. Exactly. That's the answer to everything. Mm -hmm. Everything we've ever discussed on this show is arrogance. Yes. That's the answer to all your problems. It is. So it is. All right. Well, everybody remember to play Knowles and Waymix in your game. (laughs) God. (laughs) And don't be afraid of the milk. Ever. Ever. Because if you're Waymix, you freaking love milk. Mm Mm-hmm. So (laughs) thank you guys for tuning in. Have a great week and great games. And we will catch you next time. This has been a production of Fear the Boot, copyright 2018. Listeners are free to use this episode in any non-commercial endeavor so long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. Fear the Boot is also a member of the RPG Academy network of shows. You can find other great shows in this network at therpgacademy.com slash network.